Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And we got to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and George Pickett situation. We have his comments from the locker room that got everybody talking in Pittsburgh. We'll discuss his situation, what needs to change with, with him, and the meeting that, that happened with, with Mike Tomlin and how things have gone since then. Also, TJ Watt's comments about the Steelers and how they're practicing right now as it pertains to their, their path forward. That question about Demonte KZ and an early look at Steelers versus Bengals all here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batco, let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello, welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily episodes that come out here from all of our different sports writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, as well as our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. This episode, as always, is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. Go down to Mike's Beer Bar in the North Shore. It's right on Federal Street, across the street from PNC Park. You can reserve any one of the 20 televisions to watch whatever game you want to get your sports fix with it, with your friends. And while you're there, you're enjoying one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being local, 80 of those beers those local beers being available on tab as well as all their amazing food options. We'll get more into Mike's beer bar later. We, we bring on Brian Batko for the Wednesday episode here. And Brian, there was a lot to talk about in the middle part of the week here for the Steelers. And a lot of it is centering around George Pickens and how he's talking right now. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it's been a season, really two seasons of, of George Pickens in Pittsburgh where, First, it was kind of like pulling teeth to get him to say much in interviews. Then it was kind of like pulling teeth to get him to do it at all, especially after games. He still mm -hmm. doesn't really do that. When I walked into the, the visitor's locker room at Lucas Oil Stadium, one of the first people walking past me in full, full uh, you know, street clothes and luggage on him was George Pickens. I was like, okay, guess we uh, won't be asking about that play downfield where he got uh, – bodied by Nick Cross. Guess we won't be asking about the uh, lack of effort on the block. Guess we won't be asking about not really doing a good job chasing down the second interception, maybe later in the week. And you were there later in the week when, when he talked on, on Tuesday. And I guess it's one of those deals. Uh, what day is it? Yeah, Tuesday. I guess it's one of those yeah. deals where it's like, hey, glad he finally got up there in front of the microphone and kind of spoke to the world about what's going on. But didn't really say what you want to hear from a young guy who 
probably needs to take some accountability. Has never really taken any accountability in his time here. Makes you wonder if he's ever uh, had to take accountability uh, in his life, or at least in his professional, or excuse me, in his athletic endeavors. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is not good. Not a good look for anybody. It's It makes it seem like Mike Tomlin's at even more of a crossroads when it comes to setting the culture of his locker room, how he deals with his team, and especially young, talented players. But it's not like we can be surprised. It's not like this is coming out of nowhere, even kind of the way that Antonio Brown's late career uh, antics did. I know that he had a, a bit of a history and people who know him well might say, oh, it certainly didn't come out of nowhere. But to us on the outside, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody expected him to go that way, uh, at least to, to that extent. Pickens, you can't really say the same. He was disciplined a couple times at Georgia mm-hmm. by Kirby Smart for on-field stuff. Um, right. You know, penalties. There were punishments. Tomlin hand-waved a lot of that coming into mm-hmm. the draft. And look where we are now. He's uh, continuing to cause problems. And a lot of these same ones we saw in training camp out in Latrobe, Chris. You were there. A lot. Mm-hmm. There were many times I thought to myself, this is not good. And I remember at one point somebody asked me, like, what's the biggest takeaway you have from training camp in terms of stuff that might translate to the regular season? And me having done this long enough, I'm like, eh, you never really know if offensive success is going to translate or if this third right. stringer is going to continue to make plays when the lights are on. So I, I did tell somebody, I was like, I think George Pickens' attitude is going to be something to monitor throughout the year. And unfortunately I, it looks like I was correct about that. Yeah. I, I, I'd say that I'd say that it certainly hasn't helped his case. Here's George Pickens in the locker room. when we were, when we talked to him on Tuesday. Remember at the end of last year, you, t- you said you worked hard to overcome whatever these preconceived notions were about you coming out. You still, you feel, I mean, you feel you still have to do that. You're still fighting that. Uh, I just feel like the reason I would be like you're saying, would be still fighting it. Because it's a lot of guys that's not playing the ball, not playing the game of football. That's just media guys having an opinion. George, Mike Thomas said he talked to you about controlling your frustration. Uh, did any, what he had to say to you resonate with you? What it was like two weeks ago? Three weeks Last ago? week, I think. Uh, nah, he ain't saying nothing about my frustration. Though. He said he has had the, he's had that conversation with you, though, right? Nah. I ain't never. Last week we played the Colts. I ain't had no conversation with Coach T. But let's get better. Let's keep working. It's your second year. I imagine you've grown a lot as a, as a player. Do you feel like there's parts of your game that people might not recognize that you've grown on your team yet? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, just the blocking thing for no matter. I remember all the media type guys who don't play ball was talking about blocking last year. Like I'm such a good blocker. I'm such a good blocker. Now they want to, you know, say differently. So. I'll probably say just look at the routes this year, look at the yardage, look at the catch radius, look at the run after catch, uh, a lot of stuff. So you hear there, he, he focused the emphasis on us, media guys who talk about who talk about him. We're always and, an easy target. It, exactly, yeah, yeah. But, I, and listen, I get that there are times that professional athletes are taken out of context by members of the media. That is certainly something that happens here. But all we've ever talked about with George is things that we see on the field. 
like like not finishing the block there. And there was an earlier part of that uh, part of that clip that um, I, I wasn't able to get great audio for. That's that's why we didn't include it. But he talked about how the reason why he didn't finish that block uh, when Jalen Warren was running behind him was because he saw how Tank Dell got knocked out of the season when he was trying to block ahead and he got rolled up on from the back. And you can see George Pickens leap on that play, but give me a break. Like that's not, that's not at all what happened there. I think that George Pickens, he continues to never just say, Hey, this is on me. And it's to your point. I have never seen him after a drop, after a missed opportunity say, I have to step up here. I have to have to do that and have that personal accountability. And Mike Tomlin clearly has challenged him. Now here, I want to add this clarity because this was cleared up after that conversation. When we asked about the Mike Tomlin meeting and he was being asked asked there in in that video, he apparently was confused and thinking we were at, that we were specifically talking about after the 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 Colts game and not the meeting that Mike Tomlin said happened after the Patriots game. But to me. I still think that there's there's a level of like it's obvious there's been a lot of guys talking to you and it's obvious that other teammates are talking about it. Heck, TJ Watt was talked about with this on Rich Eisen's show uh, where uh, TJ Watt told, you know, talked to with Rich Eisen about, yeah, Mike Tomlin's coaching these guys up. He's in every meeting. He's being a leader. He's trying to inspire guys to the point where he said, quote, unquote, it's wild because and he's using that phrase because he's having to, to, to get guys to practice harder and do things that professionals are supposed that are supposed to do on a regular basis without having to be reminded. TJ Watt also said that some of the younger generation takes criticism personally. And I have to think that references George Pickens in, in, in some ways, because he's the guy who, when any criticism has been, has come his way, he's brushed it off. Said he, he, he said, said what he does well and moves on with it. And I think that that's part of the problem here that it doesn't matter who talks to, to George Pickens, whether it's Kirby smart or Mike Tomlin, He's not going to hear it if you're speaking about about things that he needs to get better at. Yeah, I mean, you you hear that from TJ Watt about the younger generation. I mean, he was the young Pickens was the youngest player on the team last year when he was drafted. He's still one of the youngest players on the team. He's only 22. So I I acknowledge that maybe this is a, a young a young man who's just struggling to grow up a little bit. Maybe he's been kind of coddled and enabled for much of his life as a star athlete, and he was a five star. He was all everything in high school, could have gone to any college he wanted. He's committed to Auburn for a long time, flipped to Georgia at the last second. I know some of their uh, Auburn fans were questioning his motives in in doing so and none too happy with him. You know, those are sort of different things. But um, I'll acknowledge that, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's hurting on the inside and, and it kind of manifests itself as deflecting all the time. And maybe he does know deep down he's he's screwing up. And he's not yeah. sure how to handle it. But at some point you you do need to take some responsibility and you know you need to you need to figure it out. I mean, that's part of being a professional, it's part of being a you know, an adult in life. And it's just this is not this thing from TJ Watt, he doesn't usually do this, Chris. He doesn't usually say much at yeah, all um about this this kind of thing. I mean, he he shrugs off a lot of stuff and by nature just wants to keep things in house. But so this is now TJ Watt kind of going public with this criticism of teammates. Minka Fitzpatrick went public with criticism of teammates. Mm-hmm. It just makes you wonder, like, why now? Why all of a sudden are these guys? Because I'm like the Brian Windhorst uh, meme. <laughs> what? Why are they doing this now? That? Why what is, is going on? What's going on in Pittsburgh? We need to ask ourselves. Like, it just tells me they've 
tried they either tried themselves to get through and i do think it's difficult like i've heard people say why does the offense need a leader why can't guys on defense be leaders i think every team you want guys to lead from the front for the entire group you want leaders from a unit you want leaders within a position group like there's always a trickle down i think it is harder for an outside linebacker or a safety or a d lineman to have an influence on a young wide receiver so maybe these guys have tried to get through to pickens and and potentially others behind closed doors and it hasn't worked. Maybe they're looking around the locker room and saying, why aren't the coaches able to get this through? So now they're at their wits end and they're saying, I'm just going to put it out there on front street and kind of let the rest of the world know. We recognize this. We understand this isn't acceptable, but we don't really know if it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's the thing here is that they keep putting this message out there because they, they clearly have been saying it behind closed doors. They've clearly been pushing it on their on their own end. But I think it's one of those things where they need guys who are going to help fight fight against the tide right now that, 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 that they're up against. They need guys, as Mike Tom likes to say, that steps up against adversity and and, fi- and finds their foot in those finds their feeding in those situations. Because they have guys, I think if George when George when everything's going right. George Pickens is, you know, making plays and he's he's having a good time. He's smiling, he's dancing, and all that stuff. But when things aren't going right, you're seeing this kind of stuff. You need the guys who are still going to fight through that. You know, I think back to Heinz Ward. How many times did that guy smile even when things didn't go didn't go his way on the field, even when he got lit up on certain plays? And he would often set the bar for other players to meet. I think that's where. Uh, that's where George Pickens, you know, is is lacking there, and I think that's where maybe a lot more of the guys, especially on offense, are lacking as far as people who could kind of could kind of say, "Hey, not this week. It's gonna, I'm I'm gonna set set it right here. If no one else does it, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna make sure that I'm at least the example that we need to follow to get to a good spot." That's where I it think kind of reminds me, Chris, after the you know different situations because these were vets who were causing some drama. You have, I think you have a little bit more rope to do that when you're established, you're an all-pro type player. But after that 18 season, right, Mike Tomlin went on uh, went on one of the national shows and said they needed a cleansing of their locker room. Well, mm-hmm. do you need a cleansing again? And if you're a head coach of a football team, how many cleansings do you get <laughs> under your watch before Good question. you need to be cleansed yourself? Um, so, I mean, yeah, these are all big picture questions. Maybe, maybe we'll all uh, – be singing a much different tune if George goes off for 10 catches, 150, and two touchdowns against the Bengals and they win on Saturday. But man, it's uh and it's also too, all these guys are slated to be back next year under contract on this offense. I mean, so you're either gonna you're either gonna need to get this ship righted or you're gonna need to shake things up uh via trades or cuts or whatever to get guys who can get this team on track offensively. We'll talk more about about how this team can get back on track against the Bengals in a minute here. But we also have to answer your questions from the Accuracy Fan Advantage all here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But first, I want to remind you, this show is sponsored by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. If you need a place to go to to watch your favorite game when, when, when you can't get to it, go to Mike's Beer Bar. They have over 20 televisions. You can literally reserve a table with a television t- tuned into whatever game that you want to watch. And I mean whatever game. I've seen the craziest match- matchups possible sometimes on at Mike's Beer Bar because someone called ahead, said, hey, I need such and such playing each other in college basketball maybe, or an FCS matchup. Maybe you want to watch Division II football playoffs. If it's, if it's on somewhere, Mike's will find it for you and put it on the TV. And while you're there, you can enjoy one of their 500 different available beers 300 of those beers being local 80 of those local beers being available on tap and there's always new options new things
things to try. If you're if you're just saying, hey, I want to learn what other types of beers are out there, Mike's is the best place to go because you're going to get all the experiences uh, from from not just Western Pennsylvania, but everywhere everywhere else too. And also, when you go in, try their steak on a stone. It's an amazing dinner that you that you can get. You get your choice cut of steak brought to you on a heated stone, so that every time you cut you cut a piece off, you press it into the stone and you choose how well done you want each bite of your steak. It's an amazing time. Go to Mike's Beer Bar to get your sports fix and to make sure that you experience the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. And when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brian Batko. We're both of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and it's time for the Acrisure Fan Advantage, where all season long we bring you closer to the Steelers than ever before with exclusive answers to your burning questions from our Steelers insider here, Brian Batko. Uh, and we, we will also have an in-depth conversation with a Bengals ex- expert at the end of the week here. So we get to your questions, which you can which you can submit at any point in time to acrisure.com slash fan advantage for more information on how to do that as as well but we get to a question from will here brian who says repeat violations aside the demonte kz hit is still confusing it looked like he dropped his shoulder and played the ball rather than just targeting the head although the head came in the path of his of his shoulder not sure how else he could play that aside from just letting a laid out receiver just make the catch that has been a big question for a lot of steelers fans after, after the game confusing. it is confusing like that's why they have Highly mm-hmm. paid guys in the league office who consult and they have appeals processes and all of these procedures that go into to figuring out the discipline. So, yeah, not a bad question at all from Will or anyone who's uh, unclear or has differing opinions on this thing. Yeah, I think, again, it's it's a good question. And it's one of those things where there's so many rules breakdowns where you just like there's clear conflicts with what with, with what you're asking players to do. Even uh, former former Steeler Mike Mitchell, maybe not the best uh uh, yeah. Maybe not the best example of some a guy who understood those rules when he played, but he's a, a safeties coach for the Colts, and he was out there saying, "I don't know how to coach my guys to defend in this league." Now, I'll say this, and I said this live. Uh, to your point, you Chris, have- I don't think you, I don't think you hire Mike Mitchell as your safeties coach for the. Uh- player safety component right right playing the game but that that was that wasn't what his his mo was was the the Colts will be hiring ryan clark as their assistant safeties coach (laughs) next year vontez perfect as their linebacker coach uh, though i will say perfect is on a completely different level than either of those guys but back back to our point about kz I said this live, and I still stand by it. You have to throw that flag when you see that that happen. It was contact to the defenseless receiver in the head or neck area. That is totally fair. I thought the ejection in the moment seemed kind of hasty, especially when we saw the replay. KZ didn't launch, stayed on his feet the entire time, was going down as the football was going down. And and the moment when he realized, man, Pittman's laying out for this, I'm in a tough spot, he does turn his shoulder to make sure that his head does not make contact with Pittman. Again, penalty that should be called ejection i felt like that was a bit aggressive in the moment and i even thought that with his history you could even say hey that guy's been called for a lot of these penalties before he he has to sit he has to sit out a week or something 
to because you know this this keeps happening. But for him to be suspended the entire season, even if somehow the Steelers made the playoffs, that to me seemed like a way overreach. And I do wonder if an appeal will lessen this the suspension. It might. Uh Kareem Jackson from the Broncos, another hard hitting safety, you know, some would say dirty safety. Believe he appealed his first suspension and got it reduced. And then when he, you know, ran afoul of the law again this season, got another one and that appeal was denied. So I uh, haven't paid as close attention to Kareem Jackson and his transgressions as I have, obviously, this week, DeMonte KZ. It's it's such a difficult topic, I think, to discuss. You know, number one, I, and I said this to Devin McCourty from NBC Sports, former Patriots DB, when I had him on Chip Tam in football yesterday, I hesitate to weigh in on anything like this with a ton of authority or a strong opinion because I've never played safety in the NFL. I've never been in their shoes of trying to make a bang, bang play. I want to help my team, but I got to keep in mind what I can and can't do fundamentals. Only DeMonte KZ knows in his heart of hearts and in his head, what he's trying to do when a receiver goes, you know, goes down like that, how hard he's trying to hit guys, where he's trying to hit him. If he's trying to inflict pain, obviously you would hope not. And you don't want to ascribe that kind of malice Right. To anybody. Um, but again, only he knows what he's thinking in that moment. Only he knows what kind of mentality he has when he goes out to play. And obviously the NFL, while this suspension seems excessive, I think they're getting at a point here where, <clears throat> look, man, we've tried to make a lot of statements to you on how you need to adjust your game mm-hmm. to be more safe. And it's not getting through, you know, these, the flags aren't getting through. The fines aren't getting through. And I guess according to his agent, uh, his agent told somebody that uh, a lot of those fines or even all of them have been knocked off uh, or at least reduced, which, okay, um, that kind of seems like you're having it both ways a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, man, you should have just upheld my fine so I knew what I was doing. But yeah, no, I mean, it's your inconsistency. Yeah, I'm sure there is. The NFL fine process seems sort of bloated and ridiculous at this point, especially when you look at some of the ones that Jalen Warren's been hit with. And that's an offensive player. I think we all know that there there are debates about whether too much of the onus of protecting NFL brethren is on the defensive guys versus the offensive guys. That's sort of a constant back and forth. I mean, I think generally, though, it is the offensive players who are defenseless more often than not. It is the defensive players who have – more of a head of steam. They're coming downhill. They have a chance that they, they can really, you know, put a hurting on guys. And clearly the NFL is saying, we don't think that we've de, de-incentivized enough um, mm-hmm. kind of hits for DeMonte Casey. So we got to get pretty drastic with this measure, right or wrong. And like you said, we'll see if it's reduced on appeal. But clearly John Runyon, the, the VP of, of Ops, uh, who's signs his name to this ultimately, thought that uh, it, it, it was time for this for KZ because nothing else was getting this guy to change his ways. I feel like that's the thing here is that the conflict I see in this conversation is like, if it's funny, George Pickens, we're making fun of him because of 
you know, him saying you media guys and things like that. But I do think there is a you media guys argument as far as the, well, you just can't hit somebody like that. Do you know how fast this game is and all the different things you have to calculate in a split second's time to be able to do things like that? There are certain practices that you can use to say, hey, we'll avoid this. We'll avoid this. We'll avoid that. But a big part of those practices are just making sure that you're are, are, are making sure that you're in the best position to, to not have those things happen. But when a guy literally, if you're if you're aiming to target, like one of the main practices, you you target a guy's chest or his stomach, you you target the midsection area so that your helmet does not get into contact with his helmet, and you try to lead with your shoulder and so that your helmet is out of the way so that you're not initiating that contact with the crown of your helmet. KZ did that. And it still didn't didn't do all the things you need to do to protect Michael Pittman in this situation. Football is a dangerous game. And at the same time, you still have to protect players. And that's where the conflict is, is how reasonable can we be with guys who are having to run as fast as they can, react as fast as they can to other supreme athletes? And these, again, these are some of the best athletes in the world reacting to each other at quick paces while we're sitting on our couches or in the press box watching it from above or watching it on TV saying, oh, well, uh, he should have just done that. That's where I can see the player's argument um, that Mike Mitchell even made years ago when he was a Pittsburgh Steel. Like, this ain't this ain't as easy as one, two, three. Just don't, you know, you know, just don't hit the guy in a certain situation. If I don't hit a guy in in, in some situations where it would have been legal, it just didn't work out in the way that I would have that would have put me in the wrong. Then I'm looked at as I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not, or you know, I'm 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 selling up my I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm making a business decision. Those types of things, and that's a tough place to be. Whereas the NFL, like you said has to protect players because every time there's another concussion or another thing, it's just another, it's a, it's another big, big knock at this game is too dangerous to be played. And at some point we'll have to revert to from tackle football to flag football or be, or shut down the league entirely. And that's where the NFL is trying to keep the conversation from ever getting to. And that's why they're trying to protect players a lot, a lot more into in today's game. And that's just, I don't know how that's ever going to be resolved with the way the NFL handles things. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like, you can't have an opinion on it either if you've never right. played in the league because then then we have to invalidate we, all <laughs> then what are we doing here <laughs> right then then we have to invalidate all of uh all of the people also who are saying clean hit by KZ you know it's all good so did you see the the cut-ups of all of the previous plays from this season with him when he got fined KZ yeah some of those I do kind of look at and I'm like is he head hunting on that like there's a guy who's kind of in the grasp of another defender and he comes flying in and sort of hits him uh, you know chest head neck area um that's that's a little concerning to me i think to see as a viewer yeah on the on the pitman play could he have tried to pull up and maybe play through his hands and, and try to knock the ball away rather than um go for the the jarring hit to dislodge it again that's easy for us to say on the outside but i suppose there's something behind Let's try to rep that. Let's try to make that the learned behavior and muscle memory of the players rather than, um, you know, make this an incomplete, get get a PBU by any right. means necessary. You know, maybe, maybe you try to pull up and, um, you know, hit, hit that ball away uh, through his hands and, you know, maybe you don't get it. Maybe it's a catch, whatever, you know, you live to play another down, but ultimately you hurt your team even more if you're getting ejected and, and now in this case, suspended. Not that he knew that was going to happen. But right. But, but again, I think this goes back to the conversation. Like you said, 
it's it's not about just being media guys and, and not being as long as we are taking into account like, hey, that's not an easy job. That's a very yeah. that's a split second decision moving fast while you're in a sport that teaches you to be aggressive and to be assertive and to make big plays in those moments. That's where I think that we can be responsible as journalists to talk about these things. But when people I think I think it's when people and we we aren't doing that. But when people just say, oh, well, you just have to do it and don't take into account the the countless factors that play into these things. That's where I think that the, the response, the, the, the conversation gets irresponsible. So to get back to, to, to Will's uh, Will's question here about it and just it be about it being confusing. It is confusing. We we that's why we have to have these conversations about it. But the ultimate line, the ultimate point here is that the NFL, the NFL has a dangerous game on its hands and it tries to leg- legislate it. And a lot of times that legislation of, of the rules, it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to yield results that people don't like. And there's going to be plays where guys try to make honest efforts to make plays in the game and a slight mistake here or there, a slight positioning incorrect. And I mean, I think again, think about just positioning and how if you go to work out, there's sometimes you don't have the best form in just lifting a weight or or running or and you might tweak something. Imagine doing that at a professional level where the slightest incorrect stance could cost somebody an injury year. That's where well, I think well, there's the, like the conversation also needs these to acknowledge. One last thing I'll say on this subject, and mm-hmm. you know, we spent a lot of time on it. One thing that kind of bothers me when I rewatch that hit, I didn't really see much remorse from KZ. I didn't really That's see true. Him, he did, really he see did him not on Pittman. Yeah. I didn't really see him think, damn, this is a violent game, but we're all humans and we want to go home to our families, as Patrick right. Peterson said uh on his All Things Covered podcast with Brian McFadden. Like, I just didn't see that. I mean, I saw a guy get up, try to say incomplete, complain to the ref about seeing a flag. And like, I don't know, it, it, it goes back to, hey, we're all trying to get out of stadium at the end of the day after playing hard. One team wins, one team loses. We put it all on the line. But we're, we're humans. We're people at the end of the day. Um, you know, that works. That works both ways to me. Absolutely, uh, and I do think that that him his display of of how he handled things didn't help his his case afterwards. Yeah, I didn't uh, see so that in the letter from John Runyon, but yeah, I, I don't. That's just something that I personally noticed. No, no, I know I agree there. We got to move forward and talk about this Steelers Bengals game as it's a big. It's maybe the Steelers' last chance to say that they deserve a shot in the, the playoffs. We'll get to that here, but you've just been listening to the Acrisure Fan Advantage segment here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. The Fan Advantage getting you closer to the Steelers than ever before with Brian Bathko answering your questions every single week, as well as an episode where we talk to an opponent expert every week. Tune in. Tune in Friday for our opponent expert episode here as we get you ready before the Steelers Saturday game. But visit Acrisure.com slash Fan Advantage to submit your questions to be on the next episode when we handle your questions here on the Acrisure Fan Advantage. We're also brought to you by Sabinas Kane and Gallucci with their mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers with over 85 years of experience. Call them now for a free consultation The Sabinas Kane and Gallucci. Also brought to you by GameTime.co where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Get tickets from GameTime today. They're the easier and, mo- and, and faster and cheaper way to get the better tickets that you, that you want for your favorite events, whether they're a sporting event, co- concert, comedy, comedy show, the- music, the- musical theater, all those different things available to you on game time. And it's much better than trying to run into an event and thinking, oh, man, I'll just go to the ticket booth. But you see all the expensive prices. Then you're looking around. You're seeing scalpers, but you don't know if the prices that you're getting there are actually getting you really good tickets. Game time is where the rubber meets the road, and you can beat both of those because game time is going to show you all the best ticket prices out there available for you. And when you click on those tickets, 
tickets on, on the game time app that you can download right to your phone. You can see the view to your from your seats so that you know exactly what you're paying for every single time you use the game time app to get there. And game time promises you they're going to get you the best prices. In fact, they have a best price guarantee that shows they're that confident. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app today, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. So go to their website, gametime.co. Terms of apply, create an account, and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter, Brian Batko. We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their upcoming matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, here's the thing, Brian. We're talking about the Steelers injuries a lot and how they're down to their sixth safety. They're trying to bring back Elijah Riley from injured reserve. They're down to you know practice squatters at safety, practice squatters at linebackers. Patrick Peterson is playing safety. They've been dealing with Miles Garrett apparently is getting picked up to play inside linebacker. Okay. That was one of the funniest slip of the tongues. So for for what Brian's referencing is that uh, during his his Monday press conference this week, uh, Mike Tomlin said, you know, we're getting ready, Miles My- Garrett, to to get him in there and get in rotation. And everyone was like, hell, what? What What do you mean? And he clearly met Miles Jack. Who, well, it's Mason uh, Rudolph week. So I think it is we Mason all kind of have that on the mind. And, and then right <laughs> after that, as Tomlin was talking about the uh, Bengals, he, he referred to Joe Mixon and Chad in their backfield and i'm pretty sure he meant chase Chase. brown um so he also conflated Bengals rookie running back with chad brown former he's got pass rushers on the mind that's really all it is he's he's looking to get some pass rushers on chad brown number 95 too that's a good question let's look that up real quick while we we keep this discussion rolling here we digress yeah we digress back to back to the point 94 was his number for the, the, the steelers but um Back, but, but back to the point here, both teams are dealing with injuries. It looks like Jamar Chase isn't going to be able to play in this game uh, with, with yeah. his injury. Some reports even saying he might be out for the season, which is crazy. Yeah, I watched him go down. We were sitting in the uh, Colts press box when mm. uh, Bengals-Vikings was wrapping up right before uh, Steelers-Indy, and I saw that injury. I was like, ooh, uh-oh, that's looming large for next week. That, that, that does loom large. And yet Jake Browning has done a phenomenal job for, for the Bengals. Heck, his numbers are better than Joe Burrow's this year when he was healthy right now. Like as far as his passer rating and, and, and the rates and stuff, he's actually performing better than what Joe Burrow was. And maybe that indicates Joe Burrow's been hurt much longer than people wanted to let on. Um, well, maybe that's a really good offensive system they have in Cincinnati. Um, that's I was going they, have any, they have any coaches who would maybe be interested in like moving <laughs> a few hours northeast? I, I think is is Cincinnati, yeah Cincinnati is south of Pittsburgh. I I, I had to think about that is because it's, it's I, I knew it was west, but huh that would actually be pretty pretty or funny. North there. of but, Pittsburgh in the standings, they, exactly right right here. But that's where this game is huge because if the Steelers win this game, they're they, all of a sudden everything flips around. They're eight and seven. They'll have swept the Bengals. The Bengals will be zero and five in the division. The Bengals basically will be out of the playoff picture at that point. While the Steelers will have a chance to get back in, it won't put them in it unless a lot of other teams lose. In fact, the Steelers now need the the Browns to win up to win the game to knock the Texans down a, a, a little bit. So um, that that's going to be an in- interesting thing to watch there. Um, but uh, but so to the point here, I think Brian, when we look at this game, what the Steelers need. 
they're going to need this defensive front to wreck things. And we talked to Patrick Peterson on Tuesday about how they're simplifying the defense. They're trying to get guys to play faster because Terrell Austin's defense is all about disguises, mixing things up, getting guys to be in different places. And that requires a lot of communication, which works great when you have Mika Fitzpatrick and Peterson and, uh, uh, you know, Keanu Neal, DeMonte Key, all these veterans that have played in the NFL for multiple years. But when you're putting practice squad guys out there, that's a lot to put on them. And, and younger guys, that's why they're going to have to simplify things down. And I think while they're simplifying things, they might be able to win a few more matchups. But this defense, if it's going to get back to what it was doing to keep teams under 20 points, it's going to require that front taking this game over. Yeah, I got to get pressure with four, I think. That's what you know the Colts – did a lot of on on Saturday, I believe, and you know that's kind of been their mo this season. It hasn't always gone well, but uh, they're they're still in the thick of it. For the Steelers, yeah, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries as as well on the back end. And you know, Jake Browning was not very good in that first meeting, but keep in mind that was his first start. I'm sure life was coming at him fast at that point. If he has settled down and reverted back a little bit to the highly productive passer that he was for a couple years in college at Washington. <clears throat> Maybe he's got enough in in his uh, toolkit to to uh, stretch the Steelers' defense and and put some uh, stress on them. It's going to be interesting without Chase. You know, the Steelers they didn't have to face T. Higgins in the first game, so now you kind of just put Higgins in the Chase role. Can Joey Porter Jr. shadow him? I'll be curious to see if they go that route. They did not go that route last week with Michael Pittman Jr. <clears throat> Granted, he was having a huge day before the injury, so. Um, they've, they've got a lot to consider Tomlin talking Monday about <clears throat> can't necessarily try to play December football with guys who have September levels of experience. I think, yes, the Colts had injuries too, and they were running through backup running backs, receivers who have September levels of experience, but it's a little different doing that on that side of the ball versus inside linebackers and safeties where you got to communicate. You've got to play the pass, play the run. Um, not exactly apples to apples as far as the injury issues go. I still think this Bengals offense is going to be able to move the ball. I do. Joe Mixon's looked good to me lately. Again, the backup, not Chad. Chase Brown has looked really good these last mm-hmm. weeks for Cincy, both as a runner and a pass catcher. If he gets a seam, he can be gone. Tyler Boyd coming up with a huge play at the end of that Vikings game. He's he's uh, not having the best season, but clearly he's he's keeping his head up. And, you know, he likes to play against and beat. The- oh, he does. Um, and the other side of the ball, which – you know, we'll see what the Steelers' defense can muster. But what can Mason Rudolph muster? The last time he started a game for the Steelers because they wanted him to, hmm. a meaningful game, was in Cincinnati. Woof. And he got benched for the second half after. I still remember, I think his last pass was like just a grounder skipped to James yeah. Washington or somebody. And you could just – you could – feel it from the press box. Mike Thomas is like, I've seen enough. <laughs> I'm going back to duck. And, uh, and that's what they did. The, you and know, they the rest won is that history, game. Right. That the rest is history for Mason. Yeah. He duck throws the long pass to, to Washington for the win. Um, stood up as the winner against the Bengals defense. That was pretty bad back then. Let's be honest, but they haven't been very good this season either. I tend to think defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo is going to, you know, figure out some ways to tee off on Mason Rudolph. Who's, he's not as immobile sometimes as he gets labeled, but he's not Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett when it comes to extending plays and using his legs. So that's a major factor as well. And uh, we'll see if there's a rust component for him, as somebody put it 
in Tomlin's presser on Monday. Clearly, I think there will be, but how soon can Rudolph overcome that in-game, and can he keep this offense running more smoothly than it did with Mitch Trubisky? And, to be fair, Kenny Pickett for a lot of this season. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be a big part of this. I think the, also the offensive line, they got to block. They got they have to do better on the ground. They have to create more space. Uh, and, and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren have to be able to run the ball. Like they, they, they've they got that has to be a big part of this, too, whether it is Mason Rupp or Kenny Pickett, who did who what did practice in a limited fashion on Tuesday. Uh, and Mike Tomlin did say they're leaving the door ajar for him to get back in. I think they're Maybe just happening. I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if he if he starts this week. I think they're getting no, him back in for week 17. I, I feel you on that. But I've also been surprised by Kenny Pickett multiple times, both in pros and college. I'm not. I, I'm still thinking Mason Rudolph's going to start, but I have been surprised by Kenny Pickett way too many times in my career to to to, to count out that as a possibility. I, but I agree with you. Mason looks like he's going to be the guy for this for this for this week. Um, and I I think the Steelers can win this game with him. But a lot of this boils down to the things that we've been looking to see from them for the past three weeks. You know, it's saying like, look, you didn't need to put put it in elite elite performance in any of these games, but you need to show up and play your strength. And the Steelers haven't played their strength for any of these games uh, where you saw the, the defense, you know, granted all the injuries kind of kind of led to it against the Colts, but they didn't have their best game uh, in, in that in that one. The offense hasn't been able to run the balls, you know, you know the way that they were running the ball in November for the most part. Um, they, they have to get back to the being the team that they said they would be this year. And they just haven't been at the key point where, you know, three weeks ago they were seven and four. Uh, riding high, looking like they might have a chance at the one seed if they could just beat the really bad teams in front of them. Now they're scraping from the bottom. They're trying to get back into the playoff conversation. And I think the key to that is get back to being who you were supposed to be in the first place. Yeah. And, but at the same time though, Chris, like this is why I bristle it when I think some fans maybe get on us at times for being too critical when the team is winning, you know, they were, Mm -hmm. uh, they were three, Three and two, or yeah, four and two, actually. They were four and two. And then, like you said, they were seven and four. I think we were getting a little bit of pushback from a subset of Steeler Nation that, hey, why do you guys have to harp on these negatives and harp on them being outgained and harp on some of the, you know, maybe luck bouncing their way? But that's because this was foreseeable. Everything that's happening right now, the collapse, and I know injuries you can't predict, but you can predict if you're building your, your victories on a house of cards. If one of those cards does get pulled out, the whole thing might crumble. So that's why you have to be more, you know, result or excuse me, more process oriented than result oriented, I think, in analyzing these games. And I don't even know if the Steelers themselves were thinking enough along that uh, along that line. So, um, yes, at the end of the day, there's no, no such thing as a bad win, but you can have a discouraging win. I think they had plenty of those early this season. Now you're seeing some of that regression to the mean. And I I can't. Uh, I picked them sort of just on a whim, on a hunch last week to beat the Colts. I thought backs against the wall. This is when they rise up for no good reason. I can't do that again, Chris. I've just yeah. seen. I've seen too much, man. I've seen too it's much. Too much. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, the the X's and O's, the Jimmys and the Joes. I think the Bengals have the edge on both fronts. I'm going to go Cincy 26. I'll go Steelers 19. Maybe maybe a little bit of a little bit of life here and there from Mason Rudolph, but. Uh, not enough to make up for a defense that is leaking, as Deontay Johnson put it. Yeah. I, I, Thanks, Deontay. I think, that yeah, feels great, man. That feels great. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that there's an interesting point there about 
the, the Steelers and being having their backs up against the wall because how many times have they delivered in these moments to keep themselves in the playoff race over the past yeah. 20 years? Most most of you you and I's adult entire adult lives. That is just what right. it's been. That, I was saying that last done. week and the fact that they they played the me week for before a fool. that. They played me for a fool, Chris, and yeah. I will not be fooled again. I, and that's where I'm at is that I also think the Steelers, they might even pitch in a decent effort in this game. Like you might see Mason Rudolph come in and look decent. I still think that yeah. even if they get things to go their way in this game, there's way too many things that are coming up. I only short. have them losing I, by a touchdown, not covering, but only by a touchdown. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I have I have them them losing 19-16 to the Bengals in a, in a close effort. I think it's going to go down to the wire, but I think that they might even get a late lead. But I just think there's way too many problems on defense to solve for an offense that's just not going to be consistent enough. Uh, the defense might be able to keep things in check for for some part of the game, but I think that after doing that, if the offense just gets a last gasp, this defense won't be the same kind of defense it was against the Raiders, the Titans, or the Packers that can hold on to that lead uh, against the Jake Browning offense that's been actually pretty decent for the Bengals in this one. I'm a little worried as we talk through this that maybe this game is either a Bengals blowout win or a close Steelers win, but I just feel like a lot of that magic and a lot of that mystique has been used up, uh, not just this season, over the last few seasons with the Steelers. That even if it is tight late, I don't think they, I don't think they find a way to to win this one because of everything I'm, I just I'm, mentioned. But I'm right know. with you. I'm right with you. You never know. They can me. make us. They can mo- make make both of us look like fools again. Uh, I'm like sixty forty. I'm like sixty forty on the Bengals winning this game. Right, uh, but we'll see how this plays out. We got one more episode at the end of the week where we'll talk to with a Bengals opponent, a Bengals expert, getting you ready for this matchup and how things look for them. And who knows, maybe we'll have clarity that Kenny Pickett is definitely out, or if he is playing, and Mason Rudolph once again will have to ride the bench going into a game. All that and more here in the North Shore Drive podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again at the end of the week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.